Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon and skeptic. Uh, For those who maybe don't know what RDI is or listen to podcasts for the first time, Renegade Detroit Investors is also a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and getting deals done. This isn't your grandma's RIA. No sales from the front ever, unless you write a book. If you write a book, you can sell it from the front of the room. No smell of stale coffee, Bengay, or disappointment. <laughs> this is a place for renegades. The other part of uh, RDI is this podcast, where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful businessmen and women getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, it is a free podcast, please give it a like and share it across the internet, however you want. It really helps. And if you're not an ass clown, if you have any questions or suggestions, I would love to hear them. Leave a comment somewhere or send me a message. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Yes, I realize it's not updated yet. It is being worked on. It should be done by the end of October. Or if you're interested in going to the local meeting, which is free, Go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors. Can you check to see if that's still recording? Go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. And uh, hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. I know it's a lot. Pick any one you choice. Now our legal disclaimer. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment or investments or decisions, contact a lawyer and other licensed professionals. Be an adult. Don't sue me. All right? Now time, before we get into uh, the interview, for the show quote. I try and pick a quote. Every time that will set the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And today's quote, planning is bringing the future into the present so you can do something about it now. And that's by Alan Lakin. Hopefully I said his name right. Excuse me. Now, without further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, David or Dave Sullivan, the Credit Guy TV. Dave Sullivan graduated from Western Michigan University in 1989 with a bachelor's degree in finance. We don't hold that against him. Thank you. He started in the mortgage mortgage industry as a loan officer in 1991. Hadn't even graduated high school yet. Less than one year later, started selling credit reports to mortgage companies, banks, and credit unions. On September 19th, 1997, he started AIR Credit Midwest out of his car like a boss. This is before hashtags, too. Corvette. Corvette. Over the next two years, Air Credit Midwest grew to a multi-million dollar company. In 2000, he was approached by one of the largest credit reporting bureaus in the nation to purchase AIR Credit Midwest. He sold it and worked for that company as a sales manager in Michigan, Ohio market for the next 10 years. During his career in the credit industry, he has personally reviewed thousands of credit reports and credit scores. He's a certified FICO professional, first in Southeast Michigan. FCRA certification, I don't even know what that is, for the National Credit Reporting Association. Sounds good. Thank you. 2011 ambassador 
Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association Board of Directors. I guess you and Alan Daniels were. Were you guys on that at the same time? Or? No, he actually came after me. Came right after you. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you have a Canadian Italian wife that tried to kill you with her car, and instead you married her and gave her two Irish Italian kids. Right? That is correct. And late at the very latest, now a realtor. Yep, I'm a realtor now with um, Real Estate One. That's right. Let me take a moment. We are actually at the Real Estate One office we here are. in Southfield, Michigan. They very kindly let us use their conference room. Corporate office. I'd like to thank John Adams Mortgage and Real Estate One for letting us use their um, their conference rooms. We have a quiet place where we can uh, where we can talk and I can ask some questions. We're going to have a good time. And for those interested, if you want to, you should get to know Dave Sullivan, go to thecreditguy.tv, thecreditguy.tv, or you can hit him up on Twitter, at thecreditguytv, or send him an email, thecreditguytv at gmail.com. He also has a podcast on iTunes, if you prefer to listen instead of watch. You can go to YouTube as well, where I watched him. Now I know he has a podcast, I'll, I'll go there, but I've been watching his stuff on YouTube for several years now, and that's the Credit Guy. TV on YouTube as well. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Thank Appreciate you, Appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm really excited about this. I have lots of questions, although it sounds like, hey, Steve, that is not recording again. Can you reformat? Yeah. You did once. You did once already? I have another card in my bag on the floor. Maybe we'll try that. This video camera, I'm sorry, guys. This video camera has been giving us lots of problems, and I refuse to start over again. I'm just not going to. So I'm going to keep going. So Dave Sullivan, credit repair guru, and what was the beginning like? I know you went to finance school. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about credit repair because that's not something I do. No. I've been campaigning against credit repair for a number of years, and, uh, and that's really why I started the blog. So, you know, grew up in Livonia, Michigan. Uh... Went to college when none of my friends did, uh, mostly because my father agreed to pay for it. Um, So went on the dad scholarship plan. Um, Took finance because I wanted to understand how to read the books of companies because I wanted to buy and sell companies. Got a job out of college in accounting, which was horrible. That sounds horrible. It was horrible. It was probably the worst job. It convinced me that I didn't want to have anything to do with the books. In that sense, it was a great thing, right? Yeah. So I found out that the salespeople were having all the fun. I was working at a pager company. Remember what a, a pager was? I do. Yeah. yeah did you have a pager? Out. I did not. No. no. I remember when they came out, though. Okay. All the cool kids had one. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. I was not one of the cool kids. I think right. that was the problem. <laughs> so I saw that all the salespeople were having all the fun and making all the money. I'm like, well, look, I'd like to go into sales. And I asked my boss to be transferred to the sales department, and she immediately fired me. What? Well, yeah. Who does that? I don't know. She did. Oops. I hope if, whoop, don't say her name, but if you're listening right now, I think you realize you've done fucked up, okay? Yeah. So I uh, got laid off from that job. Uh, went on to work. Uh, right from there, I went and got a job selling uh, mortgages. So I went into the mortgage business uh, part-time. I was working at Auto Trader during the day where you'd go out and take the pictures and the magazine would come out. Uh, prior to the internet, obviously. I remember that. Yeah, I worked at Auto Trader. I used to love that thing. I loved it too. I'd 
flip through it and look for all the old muscle cars. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I would get the book before anybody else. So I did pick up a few cars uh, all right. along the way. Already working for deals. Yeah, right. <laughs> looking for the deal. And I, you know, I'm a car fan, so it was, uh, you know, it was a very fun job. But at night, I was uh, selling mortgages. You didn't need to be licensed back then. And uh, I started selling mortgages over the phone. So calling people up, say, hey, would you like, you know, well, how's your um, mortgage situation? Are you thinking about moving? And, um, you know, I had a few loans come in. And then I got this offer from a company by the name of CBR, which was Credit Bureau Reports, to actually work uh, in the mortgage business, selling uh, credit reports to mortgage companies, banks, and credit unions. I took that job because it had a small base salary. Um, so that's kind of the beginning of my credit professional career. So I just had a small base salary, and the rest yeah. of it was all commission, right. right? Okay. But the base salary on the sales job was more than I made at the pager company. It was more than I made at Auto Trader. You know, so basically, when I went there, it was no like, lose. Yeah. So I, you know, started selling, and things went along great there. I worked there for probably three or four years, and we had a downturn in the economy and got laid off. Mm. So I went to work at a. a a uh, glass company that would repair glass. I worked there for a year, and then I got a call from two people, the people who laid me off and a new credit company that wanted to hire me as a rep. So that was nice because I finally had an offer, you know. And options. Yeah, and options. So yeah. I went back in, didn't go back with the old company, went with a new company owned by a young guy. Uh, we grew that company quickly. He sold it maybe three months after I started. Uh, worked at a, you know, so I worked for that new company. Things went very well until the point when their system basically shut down. It crashed, and all my clients could no longer pull credit reports anymore. So that's when we started the car, the the company out of the car. Okay. Yeah. So you even before you went to college, you wanted to buy and sell companies. Yeah. Okay. I'm always amazed. I, I guess I was just I had no direction in life, so I didn't know what I wanted to do until I was like 26. So I'm always amazed at someone who, even before they graduate high school and go to college, ha they have a good idea about what they want to do, and they're setting themselves up to do it. So then you went and started your own company, literally right out of your, your car, your Corvette. Yep. 82 Collector Edition Corvette. Um, started the company up. But to back up for a second, if I can, the reason I had that desire, I think, is because I had two grandfathers, very much like the rich dad, poor dad. Ah. One grandfather owned Farmington Lumber which was a lumber company in Farmington. It's no longer there. And he worked for himself his whole life. And then my other grandfather worked for somebody else, became the president of company. That company laid him off. He oh, you know, struggled yeah. later in life. And uh, you know, I looked at the two lifestyles and I said, I want to you know, have my own business. I want to do my own thing. I want to be in control. Yeah. yeah. So, so that led me to starting the company out of the car. I did have a, a partner that was in Maryland. Uh, he had already had a system set up, so I raced around and had all my clients switch. Uh, the first 10, 11 days of the company, we billed $19,000. The next month, we billed $100,000 in uh, credit reports. Wow. So it was like that. That's and, literally uh, like, how how'd you even do that in one month? I mean... Um, you know, and I tell people this all the time. That's amazing. You, you have to stay close to your clients. If you're a rep or in whatever you're doing, you, you have to be close to your clients so that you can walk into their office and you can walk around and go wherever you want. If they don't know you well enough, then when something like that happens, when you have to make a switch or if there's a problem, 
um, they won't stay with you. Yeah. So you've got to be close to your clients. That's still amazing. Yeah, it really was incredible. And we were at 100000 or more for the next two years, and then I sold uh, to Kroll. For lots of zeros. For a couple bucks, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. How yeah, old were you fun. when you sold your company? Um, well, I sold it in 2000, so that was 15 years ago. I was much younger. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say. That's still pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. And then you end up, uh, they must have paid well because you stuck it around did. and worked yeah. for them for a while. It paid very well. In fact, um, you know, a couple years I did better working for them than when I, the year I sold the company. So and we were leading up into that mortgage craziness, remember? If yeah, you remember 2000, yeah. 2001, 2, 3, 4, Absolutely. 5, 6, it's 7. It's like getting out of control. Yeah. yeah. Those were good times to be in yeah. the mortgage business and then the end, right? And the wheels came off the car. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, really bad. So it was a good time. Well, I'm glad. That's pretty amazing. So you, if I hadn't done this, I wouldn't even have known that you had uh, sold, created and sold your own company. That's... You know what? When I and when I look back at all the different positions I've had, I had the most fun when I could steer my own boat. You know, if there was something that came up or something that we needed to address, and I could address it. You know, we did it. There was none of this nonsense of wait, we need a meeting, and you know all oh, that. Oh God, stuff. meetings! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I can think about with meetings is TPS reports and you know office space. Of course, my generation's. Uh, Rebellion against all yeah. that. I, I, I do really bad in meetings. I do. I would not fare well. And we met. I think you said 2010. I thought it was a little later, but 2010 at a Renegade Detroit investor meeting. That is correct. Yeah. So, and actually, um, you're one of the few. I think I did some long-winded ranting thing about like most of the meetings. Yeah. Yeah. This this goes on. <laughs> I can go on sometimes. Yeah. If you haven't noticed about starting. Uh, YouTube channel and doing some video and getting some video out there. Yep. If you go to YouTube.com and type in The Credit Guy TV, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And now you have over 400,000 views. Coming up on 400,000 views. We're just about there. In a month or two, we'll be there. And what I really like is I've got 3,200 subscribers. Holy cow. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. You know, views are one thing. Some people buy them. I never thought that was a good idea to buy a terrible your views. Idea. Or, yeah. But, you know, in Facebook, if you have, if you buy a bunch of likes for your page and then you try to market those to those people, you wind up marketing to the people you bought. It really doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. What do we care about the views? Some of my videos really only matter. have 300 views, but I got a ton of business off them. Right. The right 300 people watch them. Mm-hmm. You know, I really think that video is the way to go. And, you know, when you said that at that meeting, I had been watching uh, a shared um someone we both admire, Gary Vanderchuk, and something just triggered. You know, I think it was that meeting and watching him and... Wine Library TV, baby. Yeah, and I, I just felt like there was something I could do more, and especially when you get older, you're like, okay, what have I left, right? So we've always... I've always been, and I know we're jumping around here a little bit, but I've always been um, kind of the adversary of the credit repair industry. So... I see many people go into a credit repair company and they're taken advantage of. Now, I'm not saying all of the people in no, that industry are not. bad. But it's rife. But it, it is rife with that problem. Yeah. And um, what I always felt was, you know, if people just knew what to do, they could do it on their own. Absolutely. And why would you want to give away all your personal information and a couple hundred bucks a month to do something you could do on your own for free? 
so that's the direction of the video where where my idea of the videos were that I had this industry kind of adjacent to the industry that I was in um, and I could help people that way and it wouldn't cost me anything it wouldn't take away from my business because I'm still providing value to my mortgage clients and, and their clients but that's why that's where I started and, and your talk and Gary at the same time kind of came together and I remember it too I remember sitting there I know where I was sitting I know where you were talking from I know what the room looked talk like talk is generous I think you meant rant <laughs> well, I mean I, I remember the situation and um, and it's funny you know things like that in your life that you can remember exactly uh, what happened I remember afterwards I remember afterwards it was like a year or two afterwards I had over to my house too and I fed you and shot a short video as yeah. well, and it was going. I think at the time you had just passed like seventy-five thousand as well. Right, was a couple of years ago, so it's obviously picking up steam. Yeah. Well, you're also a real estate investor, so I don't want people to think because uh, this is a mostly business and real estate investor podcast. Mm-hmm. But you are in the buy and hold. What, what are you looking to do with your real estate? What have you done? What are you looking to do? Obviously. You, you went and just got your license recently, so there must be some opportunities, some things you're thinking about, some directions you want to head. Right. So how we started in that is we um, we read the Rich Dad Poor Dad books, and obviously I like to own businesses, and when I, I had a good job, I couldn't really buy other businesses. So what we thought we'd do is buy rental property. Mm. So we bought our first home in Garden City, uh, $40,000 from a, a bank in 2008. Okay. We overpaid. Um, wow. But... Um, we gutted the whole thing. It was a mess. My wife stepped on a nail. She was cursing me. Why did we do this? You know, and um, sounds familiar. You know, I let her. She dealt with all the contractors, unfortunately, because I had a, a full time job at that at that point. But um, you know, we we came up with a very nice uh, a home. We redid the whole thing back to the studs in the kitchen and the the whole nine yards. I jacked up the house. It was on a crawl. Wow. And. Um, that's a big rehab. Was that your first rehab? That was my first one. Why am I not surprised? Your first <laughs> rehab would be one you had to jack up off yeah. the crawl space. We had to jack up, got studs. into the crawl space with the house jack. and uh, You would have been up. on the wagons. The first wagon out on the Oregon Trail would have been the Sullivan's yeah. right there. The yeah. first one. You know, so new windows, new... We spent ninety grand on it by the time we're done. Another wow. 50000 And... Um, it's still a great house for us, and it rents, and we did get a mortgage, $50,000 mortgage on it. Um, but while we were finishing that one, another one about a mile away came up, and it was ready to go. And now we're talking probably 2009 for 42000 Done. Wow. So we bought that one and rented it before we were done with the first one. What do we call this? Cost averaging, right? Right. You know, you this is cost <laughs> right. averaging. Yeah. So... Um, so when we and at that point we were going, so we got a renter in the second one, and we started buying because we were experts in Garden City, that where we started. Um, we just knew we could look at them on the MLS and know if that was right for us. That's a good rental market too. It's a good flip market, but yeah. it's a really good rental market. Well, yeah, I mean the people who live in Garden City love it there. Yeah, and the, the, there are people in the surrounding areas who are coming to Garden City, like Westland, or you have Dearborn. Well, you know Sean Friend, right? Um, uh, um, grass yeah, grass bandits. No. no. Oh, yeah. yeah yes, I do. Yeah, he's got a yep. lot of tattoos. He's mm-hmm. going to be my guest um, next week. He moved from Detroit 
to Garden City. He says he loves it. He said it's amazing. He wish he would have done it years earlier. You know, it's much like Livonia when I was growing up. You know, it's very neighborhood uh, friendly. The school system's Garden City. It was a small school system. Um, I really like it there. And uh, and we were up to nine homes at one point. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so you must have started flipping or? Well, right. So what was happening is, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011, we're buying and we're renting, buying and renting. But now we're buying and we're seeing the, the finished value be so much higher. We're like, let's just sell it. Yeah. So we got up to nine and then we started selling. So then we came down. We're down at three now. Oh, so wow. So we're down okay. to three. We bought another one in Canada here recently uh, for a rental. So we're at four total, and I think we'll probably stay there. I don't plan on selling anymore. I'd like to buy some more, but the prices are too high. Well, not too high. Things are. Do you think they're too high, or when you buy homes for forty thousand and you rent them for a thousand, and now they're eighty or ninety thousand, perspective, right? Yeah. Like anything is. more than a hundred dollars is expensive. It is. Well, you, do you think it'll ever get that cheap again, though? You know, that low. Well, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? There's a it's lot of tell. macroeconomic problems, headwinds that we have. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about your um, YouTube channel, The Credit Guy TV, is you actually, I can't remember the name of the individual. Um, I'll, I'll be professional because I know you're professional, but you actually... Um, had a chance for a brief interview with someone from the Fed. The Fed. Yeah. This is a couple of years ago, if I right. remember. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of this came out of my work with the mortgage, Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association. Yeah. So I kind of took on the role as the interview person for the guests that we would have. And, um, you know, um, uh, David Stevens, who is the president of the MBA, the Mortgage Bankers Association, nationally. I spoke to him, uh, the chairman of the NBA, which was Bill Cosgrove here recently. We had him on the on the interview. Um, and there are a bunch of different problems, um, one being student loans, right? People yeah. have so much in Over student loans. Over a trillion dollars in student loans. Right. So now they graduate from college, they get a $30,000 job. If they're lucky. And they wind up having to pay this loan back and living with mom and dad. Well, the MBA, the Mortgage Bankers Association, they feel like the millennials are now at a point where they're going to start to um, form household relationships. So they're going to start forming households now. So they're going to marry and then they're going to have kids. Usually that's good for the economy because that brings in first-time homebuyers. Well, there's been a huge delay of those people. Those people have not been coming into... No, they probably can't afford it. Right. So the MBA feels like over the next five years, we're going to have a huge boom of first-time homebuyers because there's been pent-up demand, and then you have the normal people who, who are forming households. So there's a lot of you know big things out there that I don't know that will resolve themselves. And you know, I think for the next five years, we're probably going to be in good shape. So you actually, that was going to be my question after that. So do you think, do you believe what they say, that there's pent-up demand from... For the first-time homebuyer? Yeah, from the millennials and take a little longer for them to save up down payments and that kind of thing. And next five years will be a, I guess you would call it a seller's market then, right? For a first-time homebuyer type of a house? I yeah. think so. Okay. Yeah. So just first-time homebuyers, huh? I don't think it's going to boom. I don't think we're in for another boom like we've just had. I mean, how things came back so quick, it was not natural. No, 0% interest rates certainly help. Right. Yeah. And how long will that 
you know, last, and then what happens when we go to three percent, which is a normal interest rate, or still even really low. low. Yeah. If we go to three percent, you know, and what happens to mortgage rates, and then what happens to what the federal government can do? But I don't think we're going to talk about all that stuff. No, today. but <laughs> my vote is zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I'm ready. Are you? I'm ready. That's the farming angle, Good. you know. Yeah. You can all come with your guns to my place. I've got the farm. I have enough dogs, though. Don't bring any dogs. Bring all the food and guns you have. Yeah. And we'll be ready for the zombie <laughs> apocalypse. So right. five years of pent-up demand. So have you thought about investing anywhere outside of Garden City, or you just really like Garden City? Yeah, I mean, at this point, we're, we're looking more towards where we live, which is West Bloomfield. So we're looking more towards Waterford. Um, we're looking at possibly selling our home and then building another home. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, trying that. A smaller home? Or? We built our original home. So we bought a home, tore it down, and built our current home. So did did you uh, do all the general contracting? I did. Oh, yeah. see? He's been hiding. He's been hiding. <laughs> yeah. I figured this stuff out. When was yeah. that? When did you do that? that? Was, we moved in in 2000. Okay. Yeah. How long did it take you? Did you pick the site? Did you go... Get your builder's license. I did. Okay. Yeah, I got my builder's license. Uh, my wife found the site. She was a, an appraiser and still is an appraiser. Uh, we found it in this little subdivision that was kind of had home or cottages, really, that were built in the 20s. Oh, wow. And we yeah. found one that was just in horrible shape, bought the lot, and then got an architect. And then uh, my uncle was an excavator, so he did the lot for me, and he knew to, he knew a framer, and we just, you know... Did the whole thing from there. How long did it take you to put it all together from start to finish? Um, start to finish at two years. You know, you know, dealing with West Bloomfield, the city of West Bloomfield, is yeah. not easy. Yeah. And uh, they held us up a couple times for months. So it took about two years. And we moved in really before it was done. Just had to? Um, yeah, because we were tired of waiting. <laughs> what was that experience like? I mean, what's it... What's it like to pick a site, and then buy bu- it, yeah. hire an architect, do? Because that's different than like new construction for flipping. Yeah, you you were building this house. You and your wife were building this house for right. your family, right? Yeah, and we kids. Yeah, and so we found the area we liked, and we um, found a, a property that made sense. And uh, you know, we bought a lot of the material from Canada, and I drove a truck back with the material on the back, like the lumber, the windows. Uh, all that stuff because the exchange rate at that point was 50 cents on a dollar wow. Canadian dollar so we tried to take advantage that way um, it, it's an all-encompassing kind of thing for your life I mean you're there every night you have to be um, my wife's business kind of took a back seat uh, at that point but you know I was building my business at that time so uh, so you're building your business while you're trying to build your house yeah too? so I quit my job mid build I mean it's the sticks are up <laughs> I quit my job to start my own company out of my car and um, I don't need no stinking job yeah screw it I, I'm either gonna burn that's right yeah or I'm gonna make it I'm so. gonna swim I'm gonna drown or I'm gonna be fine yeah wow that story keeps getting better and better so halfway through just like meh <laughs> I'm going to go build a business out of Corvette. Right. And thank God that uh, the mortgage industry was not the way it is now because I would have never got a loan at that no. point. Yeah, We built most of it. We paid for most of it. But at the end, we had about $100,000 we financed. That's pretty good, though. It was all right. So you're thinking about doing that all over again? Yeah. I mean, you learn a lot, right? Right. So Always. Yeah. The, the, you know, that's the other thing. We went to a lot of these seminars when we were early on looking to invest. 
not like yours, but the ones where they have people who are planted in the audience. So when the guy says it's only $5,000, they jump up and run to the back. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, if you were to just spend that money and buy your first house and do it, even though the, the prices are higher now, I would tell you to just go find one that the numbers work. And the numbers for us are 10 times the rent. So if you can get um, $1,000 for rent, then it should be less than 100000 for the house. Right? Yeah, That's yeah. kind of our general rule. Now, we were at you know half that, so we were buying them for 50000 and renting them for 1000 um, Hard to lose that way. Hard to lose that way. But So that's kind of my quick and dirty kind of thing uh, when I evaluate properties. But just go do one. I mean, how much are you really going to lose? Probably not that Especially much. Especially some of these courses. Uh, I did it. God, I did it. I did it with the Robert Allen shit. Fifty grand. Yeah. I might as well just have bought set it house. on fire or bought a house. Yeah. You know? Could have got some warmth out of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, to be... Dumb and young and all that and do it all over again. I think we all have those sure. uh, regrets. I remember how stupid and how certain I was of it. And we're, we were talking about before the podcast got started. Is one of the mistakes I made was thinking in quarters instead of thinking in quarter centuries. And it's hard to do. And I still have a challenge with it. But that's what I'm trying to do now is think in, in quarter centuries. Let, let me back up. Since you were thinking even before you graduated high school... Um, about buy, about creating a company and then selling it. You mm-hmm. want to buy and sell companies too. Right. Um, so you must have been thinking in terms, much longer terms, way longer than you should have been at 18, well, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, but I wasn't thinking about it that way. I mean, I wasn't thinking, man, one day I'm going to start my own company. I'm just like, I want to know this now. So if I'm in that situation later, I. but it's just on who you grow up with, right? You've got one grandpa who owns his own company. You've got one grandpa who's kind of been through the rough you know, work his way up from sweeping the floors to the president of the company and then gets laid off one day. Yeah, some sad shit. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of it. It's more fear-based than anything, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's, a change, it's a changing economy. Well, it's the way it always was, and yeah. now we just know how it was, right? Yeah. It's, if you're listening, though, man, it's it, it, time and time again I have these guests on, and did it make talk about this stuff with your children? I'm assuming you did the same thing with your your children. Sure. You have a, a boy and a girl. Boy and a girl. Uh, David graduated from uh, St. Mary's High School here in Orchard Lake, and now he's at Kettering. Uh, he's doing great. And my daughter uh, has got one year of Oakland Community College under her belt, which is a huge value when you think about it. Community college. It cost me um, less than half for her to get a two-year degree at Oakland Community College than a full year at Catholic school. Wow. Yeah. So she's still working. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher. She's still working on that. But she's down in Ohio now, so we're empty nesters. What do you think about the... Uh, I'm going to see if I can get you some controversy here. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher. You tell her about those unions? No. No? You let her figure it out? Oh, the teacher's union? Yeah. yeah. The mom? I told her it's a life... It's a vow of poverty is what you're taking. <laughs> By doing that. So be nice to your brother. I'm sure he'll have some money he can lend you. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad somebody wants to teach our children, right? Yeah. I just wish we could do it without the mob. She's you know? always, yeah, it's tough. But uh, she's always been good at English, so we'll see what happens. I'm sure she'll be great. But yeah. you, you talk to your children about 
they got to see you build they, the house. Yeah, they so, yeah. saw that. I mean, yeah. they were we all lived that together. I mean, they came up to the company and they did all that stuff. They saw you build and sell your company. Yeah. Do you guys go out and have? I would have a huge party. I think after something like that, Do you have a big party. Oh yeah, definitely for Heck sure. Yeah, yeah, in the office, you know, and uh, it was right by the spree. So whenever the spree came in Livonia. We would have everybody to the office, so yeah, it was it was awesome. We went on a trip, paid off the house, all Heck that kind yeah. of stuff. Put Heck some money yeah. away for college, all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, teach your children this stuff. That's that's really the role of this. So you, yeah, you're watching your grandpas, and you made yep. your choice to 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 walk your own path, to pave your own road. Right, and, and I'm assuming your children. What does your son want to do? He's an engineer. It's engineering school. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's okay. a it's a three months on uh, for study, and then three months of co-op work. Okay. And it's five. It's about four and a half years long. What kind of engineer is he going to be? Mechanical right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We have so. some something somewhat in common. And so long ago now, back in the day, back in the day, now that I'm older, having my midlife crisis, um, I was in the United States Navy. Right. And I was on subs, and I worked uh, as a machinist mate nuclear engineer in the wow. Navy. So. Very cool. Turns out I hated being an engineer, and I hated being a machinist mate, and um, I hated power generation. I hated all of it, but I was good at it. I did that for several years, so... Well, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm glad there are people who can do it after having done it for the years I did. Yeah. I'm grateful for people like your son, because I was miserable at it. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. But we need these people. Yeah, and I, who knows what it'll wind up doing, but, um, you know, we'll see. Okay. That's pretty cool, though. Let's talk about failure. So we've got a lot of success going here, but we know that success is actually built bricks of failure sure. at a time, right? It's kind of like every foundation. Right. What, what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made in business? Obviously, oh, my God. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. We could probably do an eight-hour <laughs> podcast on this. So let's just try to keep it to the top yeah. five. You know what? I, I think probably the biggest thing that I I wish that I could go back and do is just evaluate the moves that I was making at the time. You know, did I really want to go into business with this guy mm. that I did with Air Credit? I mean, it turned out he was a um, he was a convicted uh, um, what is that? A uh, convicted embezzler. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know that. And um, you know, he was doing some stuff with the books. Is one of the reasons why I wanted to sell. And you know, I wish I would have investigated him a little bit more. Yeah. A few choices with my jobs that I've, I've chosen, I wish I would have investigated a little bit more. Um, you know, there's been many, many mistakes. One, here's one mistake that I wouldn't do any ever again. Don't pay the contractor until they finish the work. Absolutely. <laughs> that is a huge mistake I've made more than once. Don't pay the contractor until the work is done the way you want it. They're not coming back. They'll never finish later. That's it. I think drug dealers are more trustworthy in that department than contractors are. I haven't had a lot of deal. I haven't dealt with a lot of drug <laughs> dealers, so I'm going to have to take your word for it. I but, may or uh, may not have. <laughs> but uh, that is my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Don't pay the contractor until the work is done. Mm. Let's talk about this embezzler, though. I mean, how... Yeah. I So you know some of my story. My ex-partner, one of my ex-partners, is actually in jail right now. For similar thing, embezzling, mm -hmm. deed fraud, wire sure. fraud, that do, that that is something you have to navigate in the business world. Yeah, there are jackals everywhere. Sure, and the business world is full of them too. Just because they wear a shirt and tie, 
doesn't mean they're not going to eat your guts the second they get the opportunity, right? right? So I've thought about this a lot, and I'd like to get your perspective on it. How do you think you would evaluate? What, what do you think the differences are today? If you were to evaluate a business partner, then when well, you it's started. much easier now with the internet, right? So when Absolutely. I did it, <clears throat> there wasn't there was no internet when I did it. When people would call in and order a credit report, it was a modem to modem transaction. So they called in to our modem, our modem went to the repositories, and that was it. So there's no internet now that there's an internet, you can very easily Google them and uh, and find out more about them. So like a criminal background check or something sure. like that? Sure, right. Know? I mean, I have, you know, me being in the career I am, I, I have access to all that credit information. So I would certainly want to look at their credit report because if they're not paying their bills on time, right? Good point. How are they going to do they anything They might else? not be paying, yeah. you know, the partners as well. So or they might be trying to walk out with some of the money. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So I had to sue my former partner who's passed away now, um, but I did have to sue him for the final amount of my payment from the sale of the company, which I won, plus lawyer's fees and a big screen TV. All right. So Did you ever get paid it? I got the money. Okay, good. Yeah, I got the money and the TV and the lawyer fees, so that's what I, I got out of it. Yeah. The TV's in garbage now, though. Yeah. TV technology's come along. Yeah, like, yeah. Ten years, you're like, what is this thing? Yeah, plasma TV. Now there's something thinner than a sheet of paper. Yeah, you know, it's three thousand dollars. What do you, what do you think in your, and I'll open it up. We'll go as broad as I can. Was there ever a pivotal moment? I know you're talking about your grandpa. Um, you know, it's kind of like you can go left or right. I can go get a job. I can go do this. Do you, do you remember if there was a moment when you're like, you know what? I'm going to go build this company. Because you were talking about you're halfway through building your house. and mm-hmm. Was it a lot of series of moments? Was it one moment? What would that look like? What would that feel like? And what was your decision-making process at the time? Well, I, I mean, when I started the company, I was things were going great. I mean, I had finally started to make over 100000 a year, which was a goal of mine. Uh, you know, I had the Corvette, I had the toys and everything, and everything's going fine, except for I can't deliver the product, mm. you know, to my clients. So now they're like, hey, I can't I can't get anything. So at that point, I either have to apologize and try and get the company to do something or start on my own. And that's the choice that I made, obviously. So you took your, basically a challenge, a really bad Setback, and you made it your opportunity, and yeah. say, you know what, I have all these clients. Currently, we're not delivering. Yeah. Through X, Y, and Z company, right. you went out and did it on your own and delivered. Yep. That was how you did it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty amazing. I, I didn't. It's not like I had a choice, though. I almost didn't have a choice. Sure, you had a choice. Well, I had my clients you quit. Yeah, I could have just quit and did nothing. World needs more. Was it? What was <laughs> it? Uh, the world needs more uh, postal diggers or ditch diggers. What was that from? Uh, uh, was it Caddyshack? Yeah. World needs more ditch diggers. I um, <clears throat> you could have done that, Dave. Yeah, you I could have. But you know, I felt like I had to allow my clients to still do their business, and they could not get a credit report at that point. So I'm like, how can I help them get a credit report? And that's what I did. So it was quick. I mean, it happened very quickly. And I don't know if that was like a, a decision I had or not, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there are clear decisions other than that point at that meeting that we had. I mean, that was something that kind of took me on a different perspective. So I, w- I worked for Kroll. Things went well um, for 10 years and always hit my numbers. Everything's fine. The company sells to a private equity company. 
90 days later, I get a phone call from my boss, right? Well, and he starts reading this, like, you know, crap of how there's been changes and you're not going to be a part of it and blah, blah, blah. And now you're laid off, right? Mm. So I'm like, dang, what do I do now? So uh, there was a, a local company here, and I said, talked to the owner. I said, hey, I need a job. He says, okay, come on over. My salary went from, you know, I don't know how much I want to tell, but uh, let's say high six figures to uh, to 10% of that. So my I wow. lost 90% of my salary. That's a big change. Yeah. And thank God we had the rental properties at the time. Yeah. Because we were up to like six or seven at that point, and they were all throwing about seven grand in a, into our pocket every month. So my kids were in private school, and, you know, what do you do? 24000 is not that much, right? I'm seeing multiple exit strategies here, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Did you plan it like this? No. You were just thinking ahead. Yeah, right. So that's exactly. I yeah. mean, I knew, I just kind of felt like, I needed something that we owned, and I, I wanted uh, I wanted uh, passive income, right? And that's why we built the the properties. So it really worked out well, and my wife, you know, found a job, and she's now appraising for a major bank uh, as a review appraiser. She's doing great. I mean, it's amazing how you know she really stopped working for eight years while I was at at uh, credit at Kroll. And um, and she just turned it right back on. I mean, she flipped the switch. Within two years, she's making more than I am now. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I married well. Watch TV. No, I'm just, you never sit home and watch TV. But yeah, that's, marrying well is a really that important is huge. thing. That is huge. It is. Yeah, it's, that uh, is huge. Man, there's been, there's been some ups and downs. And if you marry the wrong person, I've seen what that does to, yeah. to people. It can destroy your life. And this is this male, female. Marriage is, I love marriage. It's an important thing, but be careful who you choose. Yeah, yeah, you have to be careful. I mean, I've I got a brother-in-law who's constantly chosen the wrong female, and it's been tough for him. That's some sad. I'm always yeah. a little sad. I, I had a couple of family members like that. Who, yeah, constantly choose the wrong person. Yeah, seven marriages, seven divorces. You yeah. wonder how they get there. It's, it's sad stuff. Jeez, after five, maybe I should do something different. <laughs> you would think that it yeah. would come up. I, I after my second failed business, I would. That was when I just tore my life apart. I just couldn't. Twice? Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Twice? Right. How did I do this twice? Yeah. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. And it took me about a year to come to my, you know, like, wait a second, something's really wrong here. And I just tore it all apart. I don't know how you do something seven times and not, and not sit down and be yeah. like, what, what, what is going on here? There's something obviously wrong and it's me. Yeah. Has to be me. I'm the right. only common denominator, <laughs> yeah. right? Can't right. always be everybody else's yeah, it's, fault. It's amazing how many people get stuck in that rut where they think it's everybody else and it's not them, and they go through these roller coasters in business. I see it all the time. You know, one one of the advantages I have working in the in the business that I do is I call on these small businesses, right? Mortgage companies and banks, some some larger, but I get to see the inner workings of all these different companies and how they work, and I get to like know the people there and. It's very easy to find the people who are going to be successful and the people who are going to go away in a few years. It's not complicated, um, and I really have enjoyed that. Is getting to know the people at these companies uh, that I've called on for twenty four or five years now. That's a great question. So you, this is something I suck at. How do you identify talent? Can you pick them? Because I can't pick them. I suck at picking them. Everyone um, I've picked crash and burn every 100 percent failure rate really yeah how do you 
what process or how do you imagine? I mean, twenty plus years, you yeah. you know, you said it right now. You know how you're gonna. How do you do that? Do I would find- love to know that. I'm sure people would also know. They got businesses. They're listening right now. Sure. How do you pick those winners, man? So I mean, it comes back to finding grit. It's something that's on my website. So. How do you find the people who have grit, the people who have drive above and beyond like the surface kind of pr- presentation of themselves that they usually provide in an interview? I think you find it at the off resume things. Like a resume is pretty much people can make up whatever they want, but are they volunteering in organizations at home? Like are they on a board of a nonprofit? Are they in- active in the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts? Are they in- active with their kids? Are they active at their kids' school? Do they coach their kids? Those are the winners, the people who actually go out and, and coach. Um, Interesting. Those are the winners. Those are the people who will not give up when bad things come. I mean, bad things come all the time. Nobody has a straight line up. No. There are always dips and, uh, and trials and things that you have to go through. I mean, I've been through them, and um, they're tough, but the people who have grit will just keep doing what they have to do to get through them. And, and those are the people, how do you find that? It's almost just like a gut feeling that you have to feel. And I've been wrong as many times as I've been right. But um, that's at least fifty percent. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent wrong. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I, and I love managing people. I like to work on a team that's successful. And then the people who have the, that kind of grit, and I've worked next to people who would drive you crazy. Um, I've got to tell this one story. It's oh hilarious. yeah, please. This is what this is about, man. So I was at this other company a while ago, and they brought in this other person for me to kind of train, right? Well, eventually it was going to replace me, but she's sitting there and apparently a deer had come and to her yard and come too close to the, to the window. So she calls the DNR and four other government agencies and says this, that the deer is disregarding the humans and somebody needs to come out and put the deer down. Yeah, that's a loser right there. <laughs> I mean, that was like a like a sign. That's a right? red light. Right? That person does not does not get it. Okay, it's a deer. Yeah, it's disregarding the humans. Yeah, and it needs to be shot. Wow. Hey, I like venison as much <laughs> as the next person, but I don't expect them to uh, uh, respect our boundaries. Yeah, you know? it's just They're the deer. mindset. You know? It is a mindset. So grit is the number one determining factor, and you know it's tough to find. Uh, it's tough to figure out, but um, you know, people who have grit are usually always successful. Mm. That's pretty. What do you think makes? I know we're just speculating here, but I'm interested. I read this on your your website too. If you go to uh, thecreditguy.tv forward slash about, he actually has some of this stuff there. I was reading yep. it late last night, earlier earlier today. Do you think grit is installed as children? Are you born with it? Is it both? Can you develop it? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, think, we're all products of our environment, right? So we all um, come out of where, wherever we come out of. I mean, I have friends who grew up, like, next to me who are not, don't have it, you know? They bounce from job to job. They, they uh, never hold a, a regular job for very long. And um, I think it... it I think it's just something that's inside of you. And you know what? A lot of people who have it are the people who grew up poor. Mm. The people who grew up poor 
um, have a lot more determination, I think. So that would be another determining factor, right? How did you grow up? You know, where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Birmingham or did you grow up in Redford or Livonia? So um, people who were born without privilege uh, have more desire to get to get there, I think. Mm, that's interesting. You have so you also were a sales manager for how many years were you sales manager? Ten years. Well, for the ten years I was at Kroll, yeah. yeah. What was so that's obviously something near and dear to my heart. Not that I have any interest in managing other humans, but I am very interested in sales, becoming a better salesman, all that. Um, right. How did you develop your salesmen and women? How what what did you track? What do you think were the important parts? If somebody's listening right now and maybe they want to take their sales from, they want to double their sales or, you know, what, what do you think you have to do? You've got 10 years experience. Obviously you got paid very well for it. They right. kept you, right. they bought your company and kept you to right. doing right. that. That means you were on to something. Um, what'd that look like? Well, I mean, you always have to put the customer first, right? So whatever, whatever the customer needs or whatever they, um, whatever they might need or whatever conversation that you have with them, it can't always be about buy my product. It's got to be about how do you serve them. So the more people you serve, the better you'll you'll do. I mean, those are kind of old addicts that, that always work. So if you get the right salesperson with the right marketing, now back in the day, the right marketing was maybe a CRM system and a way to follow up. But now, obviously, it's all social, right? Yeah. So... Um, you know the right salesperson with the right tools and desire. You don't almost you almost don't have to manage them now. If you have people that are not performing the way you'd want, I mean that requires more effort on the part of the sales manager to get them either going or moved into a different position. Um, the right salespeople don't need a lot of managing, but the people who are struggling, that's where you have to spend your time. What CRM did you guys use, or what CRM do you use today? Well, we used way back in the day. We used ACT. Okay. Right? I think everybody used that. Yeah, yeah, that was and, all there was. And then we switched over to Goldmine when everybody was really starting to use ACT. And that was in 2000 when I bought my company. I switched to Goldmine because it automated the sales process, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and now, I'm, and then I switched to Salesforce. So I've been on Salesforce all this time. Now, right now, uh, I like Infusionsoft the okay. best. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, somewhat. I've used yeah. it a little bit. That's a really good program, especially for online people, but also for regular business. If you can if you can get Infusionsoft set up correctly, you can almost reduce the salespeople that you have uh, because it, it's such a good product. Mm. It's such a great way to follow up with people. And that's really the key, the follow-up, right? Yeah. So you can talk to somebody, but if you're not following up with them, um, they forget who you are. That's why I like LinkedIn. I know you're not a big LinkedIn fan. No, I'm not. But LinkedIn has almost become a CRM. Has it? Yeah, because... Maybe I need to log back in. I you do. You need to check it there. out again. Because um, LinkedIn is all the people that you're connected to, right? So let's say I go have a meeting with a, with a client in Monroe. Well, if I leave that, that meeting and they don't decide to, decide to buy from me, well, then I have to follow up with them again at some point, right? Forever, right? Right. But if I link with them right after the meeting, they remember who I am, and now every time I do a post, they see me again. So it's a kind of a free way to have them automatically see me and then remember me so that when they do need a product or a service that I can provide, they'll think of me. And that was the whole reason behind the videos, too, is to provide value, and then when something comes up, they can think of me 
you know. Or the Gary Vaynerchuk world, jab, jab, jab. Right. Then hook. Exactly. Lots of jabs. I've been jabbing for four years. I'm still waiting for a hook. Yeah. yeah. The longer you can jab. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the bigger hook. The bigger the hook, right? That's that's how Gary did his wine library TV. Yep. Yeah. Then he dropped a book, made millions. Now look at it. Yeah, no, the bigger the jabs. No, I, I like... You're up to like 90... Plus jabs, though. How many videos do you have now on YouTube? 212, 213. Wow. But you know what? The most rewarding part of it. So, okay, I start Catching up to me, man. Yeah. So I start uh, the video, and I start doing the videos, and and I'm pushing them out and through LinkedIn. um, And then YouTube started becoming a traffic driver. But the most rewarding thing about the videos is the people who contact me and say, Hey, this worked for me. I had no idea how to do it, and now I fixed my credit report. And I just did an interview with um, Yancey and Eric, and they, one of my early fans on YouTube, it took her two years to fix her credit. They got it fixed, they bought a house, and they moved in. So that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So, and I interviewed them, we talked about their process, how they went through it. It's not that hard. And the people who reach out back, to me now that say, yeah, I watched your videos. I've been following you for years. And, you know, I was able to do what I wanted to do, whether that be a car or an auto loan or whatever they want. It's just incredible. And people reach out and say, hey, I want you to do this for me. I'm going to pay you to do this for me. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. If you're not going to spend the time to do it on your own, then go pay somebody a couple thousand dollars and they'll do it for you. But I'm not doing it. Here's how you do it. Here's the video. But... I'm not doing it for you. So that's more like uh, teach a man the fish instead of go catch him a fish, right? I guess, yeah. You can't pay me to catch your fish. And you I'm, not paying, your I'm not catching any fish for you. Yeah, you go catch your own <laughs> fish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they, they made the mess, right? If yeah, they absolutely. made the mess, yeah. you got to fix your own mess. If you don't pick up your own. That's a good point. If yeah. you don't pick up your own mess, you're likely to make the mess again. Exactly. I, I see where you're going with that. I would love to have a... Um, Hashtag real talk, all right? Yeah. I would love to have a... Um, information from one of the repositories about the number of people who go through credit repair and then wind up back with a bad score again. Like Man, I did it later. twice. You it's did? embarrassing. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. It really is. I did it twice. Well, and I don't you, know why and you once bad, wasn't enough. And then you got bad, a bad score again, right? Yes, of twice. course. You yeah. Did, yeah. So if you don't do it on your own, then you don't appreciate it. Man, it's one of those embarrassing moments in life. You're like, man, I had to do that twice? Like, yeah. Why? Yeah. Once was enough. I had to do the same well, thing twice. I yeah. don't. Well, there are people who go through bankruptcy a couple times, too. Man. Yeah. I don't understand that. I, I get embarrassed by some of the stuff I've done, like, twice. I'm like, what? Really? Well, before I move on, I don't want to get too... Um, what, what did you... What numbers do you think were the most important numbers to track? So, whatever okay. CRM people are going to use... Yeah. They're dialing, they're sending emails. Do you think any one number is more? The sales numbers. Yeah, there are a couple numbers. Just the sales numbers. That's it? Are you bringing in money or not? Okay. If you're not, then you're not making enough contacts. I don't need to monitor your phone calls if you're not bringing, you know, if you're bringing money in, then you're you're doing what you should be doing. Uh, You're You're very hands off. Just look at the money. Yeah, exactly. Things are going well. Right. I mean, I went through that too. I mean, the the upper management at, at Kroll always wanted to, like, micromanage each guy I said look we're not doing that if they're doing their numbers they can do whatever they want if they're not doing their numbers then we've got to have an intervention right pitch a tent and we're going to stick around for a little while right and then we're going to start riding together and we're going to do we're going to make sure that they because if they don't succeed I always said if they don't succeed then it's my I didn't 
get them to succeed. Mm. Either I hired the wrong guy or they're in the wrong position, right? Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't be a salesperson if they're not succeeding. So move them, right? Find a salesperson. Move them to accounting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. If you're in accounting, I love you. We need you too. Yeah. We're, just, we're sales guys, so. You know, when I went through accounting classes, I should have known because I could never get everything to balance in my classes. I was always like a couple pennies off. I'm like, hey, dang. You and me both. I didn't have a class to suck. You yeah. Know? I just came that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't sit through an accounting class to save my life, I don't think. I have my brutal. wife for that. She explained all the different bases, and I'm like, what are you talking about? There's a cruel. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's how I learned these cost averaging. If I have a few words, you can thank yeah. my wife for that. Right. When she was getting her master's, I had to read a few of her papers, and thought I'm like, what are you talking about? So the words are sticking around. I don't actually know anything about it, though. Cool. Um, so let's talk about credit, because people are going to want to know about credit. Yeah. Let's get into it. This is what a heck of a build is, up for credit. Obviously, this will, you know, I like to get through this stuff. People need to know you, and I don't think people can trust you or take you seriously until they kind of get an idea about sure. you. And I think it's interesting, and I want to know more anyway. And so, what is what do, what is credit All right. in America? Because I know we're just talking about North mm-hmm. America, United States of America, in Canada, Canada too. Yeah, same system. Yep. Okay. Equifax is up there. So North America. Yeah. Okay. And there are other bureaus throughout the throughout the world, I should say. Um, Experian is actually owned by a company out of uh, out of uh, the UK. Global economy. Yeah. Well, what but, is credit? Uh, so sir? credit is, is it? um, basically it's a record of all the the um, loans that you have, credit cards, if you've ever had bankruptcy, public record. Uh, the repositories gather that information and then they provide it for sale. Uh, usually they sell it to people who are you're trying to get credit from. But sometimes they sell it to people who want to market to you. So they gather this information, and then it's a database that they can provide. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I, don't, I hate them. They're just trying to make money off me and blah, blah, blah. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with making money? Well, nothing. But, I mean, when you think about it, there are very few countries in the world where you can walk into a Home Depot and get all the things you need for your home improvement product and walk out with a signature. Yeah. And that's the system we have. Credit is a good thing. It really is. And when you think about people with home ownership, which got beat up there for a while, but we wouldn't have the levels of home ownership that we have in the country without the credit system that we have. But that also means that we need a way of determining who's going to pay and who's not, right? Well, and that's what and that's what happened. I mean, when we went through the the collapse in the home industry, it was really because people ignored what FICO was telling them. They weren't following the guidelines of sound lending because they were ignoring the risk possibility, right? They were giving people the benefit of the doubt who should not have, have ever owned a home. They should uh, have been renters. And um, there's a couple of different reasons for that, but... So you're saying that the no doc, no income, no all that was a bad idea? Well, it was a good (laughs) idea. So that was a very good idea. It was for a specific uh, market, okay? And what happened was they expanded it to everybody. Yeah, that's what they always do, right? Yeah. And then now you had guys who were, you know, working for minimum wage saying, oh, I make $100,000 a year. And they signed off on it. That was the problem. Yeah. We all went a little crazy there for a while. Oh, I did. <laughs> I, I went full. I went full retard. Never go full retard, folks. Yeah. And that's from Tropic Thunder. I'm not being an asshole here. So, what makes up your credit score? 
All right, so you basically have the header information, which is your identifying information, and then you've got the credit account, and then you've got collections and judgments, and then inquiries. So you kind of have five basic parts of your credit report. Now the header information is always there, but the rest of your credit report is pulled instantly every time you pull a credit report. So it's not like in a file cabinet somewhere. Your header information's there. When we get a hit on that, on that header information, we go out to all the creditors and try to find a match for you based on name, address, date of birth, and social in that order. So that happens instantly. We pull all the information back. We score it and send it out to you, and then it's gone again. So it doesn't exist anywhere. Only your header information and inquiry information. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. So it's pulled... It's like real time. It's like a snapshot in real time. Yeah. And as soon as you take the picture, it's done. It's gone. Yeah. So it's like a sunset. Yeah. It'll be different tomorrow. It'll be yeah. Different every time you do it. Probably. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, what? Um, how do? I know it's different for different agencies, and it's always changing. Um, if you're listening, this was this is recorded September of 2015. So for whatever reason you're listening five years from now, please go and update if it's been updated. But. How does the score break down? What counts? I know it's about on-time payments, certain amount on your credit card, all that stuff. I, I was uh, watching one of your videos where uh, you were talking about pay your bills early if you want a higher credit score, too. How do you get a good credit score? Okay, so you got the basics, right? So long credit history, that's the key. The longer the credit history, the better. Okay. You don't want to pay anything late, right? That's pretty obviously. Very obvious, You can't right? pay anything late. Um and then the other thing is, so the three quick uh, answers to that question are long credit history, never have a late payment, and have low revolving credit balances, okay? So that means 5 to 9% of the high credit. That's where you want to stay. Okay. What about um, maxing out your credit cards? Right. That so that's what I just talked about. So we're talking about the utilization ratio. Okay. If your utilization ratio is above 100%, meaning you're over your high credit, it hurts you like a collection. It can pull you down over over 100 points in some cases. Oh, wow. But as you bring that down you know, to 90%, that's good. But if you go to 89%, you pick up the benefit of all the points from that 80 to 89 range. So the further you bring it down, the more it improves on your credit score. And right at about 49%, it really starts to boost it. So then you go to 39, and then 29 better, 19 better. Five to nine percent is the best. Now, I say five to nine percent because if I told you to just leave a dollar on there, you could miss that, right? Because you need to do it on the reporting date. We can talk more about that in a second. So I like to say five to nine percent. You'll get all the points that you probably need and not risk, you know, messing it up. Because if you go to zero, it can hurt you a little bit. Now we're talking advanced credit scoring here. So if you go to zero, FICO looks at it like it's not being utilized, so they don't give you the same number of points that you get at 5 to 9%. Hmm, interesting. I wonder why they do it like that. Well, it looks like you're not actually using that credit. And, you know, when, when we talk about FICO, we're talking about a, a company that was developed in the 50s, and their sole job is to predict the future based on the past. Hmm. So when it looks at a, a credit file, it doesn't look at where you work, it doesn't look at your race, it doesn't look at your income, it doesn't look at anything other than how have you paid in the past and how will you pay in the future. It's a predictor. Uh, it's, a, it's a predictive value of the likelihood that you're going to pay on time in the future. So that happens instantly. 
like we talked about. And um, so when you're looking at a credit report and somebody has a zero uh, line of cre or credit card versus five to nine, it looks like you're not using it. So you don't get the same number of points. Yeah, so, FICO doesn't want to speculate. They're they say, well, if you're not using your credit, how can I make a prediction right. based upon you using credit? Right. You need to use credit for exactly. us to make a prediction. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I didn't think about it that way. Right. I actually don't know jack shit about about any of this. So I'm glad well, I'm glad you do and I have you here to ask and, these. And the other thing about, about credit scores is there are twelve different um, scorecards. Okay. And the scorecard that you are assigned to depends on what's in your credit file. So if you had a collection in your credit file, you play on the collection scorecard, okay? If you had uh, student loans on your credit file, you play on the student loan uh, scorecard. Okay. So it's dynamic in the way that the scorecard that you use to score your credit is based on what's inside your credit file. So you, if you have three credit scores, you could have three different scorecards scoring you. And each scorecard may assign a collection in a different way. Oh, wow. So um, if you have a lot of collections and you're on the collection scorecard, it might not hurt you as much as if you're on a good cr uh, credit scorecard with, you know, that same collection. So the values aren't assigned by account. They're assigned by the scorecard, and the scorecard that you're being scored on depends on what's in your credit file. Does that completely confuse you? A little bit. I think <laughs> I got it. That. No, no. It's, it's Sorry about that. It's complicated. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing it for how many years now? A long time. You speak the language. Yes. Yeah. I know. And I occasionally, you know, fade into that uh, yeah, I have some language speak. Here. That's, uh, Sorry. Oh, well. I'm about ready to lose my mic here. Hold on. <laughs> I keep messing with it. Yeah. Loosen it up a little bit. We'll plant it on a better spot. Other way. Other way. Yeah, here. Sorry about this, folks. We'll just cut it out. We'll just cut it out. All right. One hour, six and a half minutes or so. To one seven. Thank you. I didn't even think about that. I would have listened to... There we go. I'll quit messing with it, too. All right. Yeah, it was in a great spot for a while, and then it looked like it was falling. Yeah, it was just slowly right. sliding down. There we go. 107.34. 107.34. All right, so let's say I got a so I got a Facebook question here. Let me let me pull up this Facebook mm -hmm. question from my friend, Mr. Jeremy Cronin, who just recently. Moved from the, I believe it's in the Netherlands. Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, from the Netherlands to Cleveland, and he doesn't have any credit. You know, he's been living overseas. Um, he was born in England. Mm -hmm. Move all over the world. Right. Let me see. Let me pull up his. Uh, so step number one, I, I think I've read. I think I can remember his question. Here, let me read. It, let me read. It, okay. Sure. This is from Jeremy Cronin. I'm going to be needing some tips, not how to repair a bad credit score, but how to go from nothing to top in one year, if that's even possible. Well, I mean... He does have very good income. So that. he can't get to 850. So the range is 300 to 850. He can't get to 850 in a year. But step number one for him is going to be to get a Social Security number. 
Okay, you can't get a credit file with a TIN uh, number. I forget what that's called, but the temp- yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah the TIN number, right. tax identification yeah. number, or something like that. Taxpayer identification. So you've got to get a uh, a social. So once you get a social, then you're going to want to have get three to five business uh, bank credit cards is what you want. So three to five bank credit cards, and if they won't give him a credit card, then he can get a secured card, which is where he puts three hundred dollars in the bank and he gets a credit card with three hundred dollar limit. To get started, so secured card, and then into five uh, bank account, uh, bank credit cards, and then an installment loan would be good. So, if he can do all that, loan, yeah, like even a personal installment loan. Like, so what is an installment loan? I don't well, know. Well, let's say you was like if you were to get a car loan. Okay. Yeah. So you get a car loan. Installment is you know regular payments until it's paid off. All right. I got and the it. original yeah. amount doesn't change. So, um, in a personal installment loan from a credit union, provided that they report to all three repositories, that'd be a great a great choice. So you um, should definitely ask the credit union if he's going to do something like yeah. that. Do you report to all three yes. credit repositories? Yep. What are they? Importantly, the Experian, Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I would say after a year, he's got to do all that now. Like, don't say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to do that," and then after Christmas do it. You have to do it right now. Because you need that year to go by with credit in order to establish a history. Don't wait. Get started right away. Do it, do it right now. The sooner the better. Some people say don't apply for five different credit cards all at once. And I think that that's wrong. I think you apply for all five of them. You take the hit to the credit score that you're going to from a new account perspective and from a credit inquiry perspective. And then you get, uh, you know, and then that falls away after three months. And then you have better credit better credit history if you were to get one card every month you get that one inquiry ding every month yeah well and also since you point out that time the longer the credit history then the sooner you can establish credit the better yeah that's again what we're talking about earlier when i was thinking about uh thinking about quarters and uh, i need to be thinking about quarter century you know what i'm saying yeah so think about it uh long term what else should he do well, um, so the installment loan, and then just pay on time, right? Keep the balances low, pay on time. In a year, he should be good. Balances low. Is there a certain amount that they yeah, should? Yeah, 5 to 9%. 5 to 9%. Yeah. If you're listening, Jeremy, 5, five to, to 9%. 9% is the get key. a Social Security number. Yep. Go apply for some bank credit. If you yep. can't get bank credit, get secured bank credit. Yep. Or go credit union on some sort of used car, new car installment. Make sure they report to all three credit repositories. Correct. And then pay your damn bills, 5 to 9% on time, every time. Yeah, so, I mean, pay, you know, what I would tell them to do, the 5 to 9% is really if you're trying to peak your score. So right now, when people apply for a mortgage, they'll wind up trying to get uh, a certain rate, and the rate is based on your FICO score. So if you have a FICO score that's at 700, you're not going to get the best rate. If you have a FICO score that's 720, you're still not going to get the best rate. So you've got to be at the very top of the scoring range in order to get the very best rate. And it's no longer available to 700 or 720. It's 740 and above. And I can see it going to 760 uh, right now. Wow. So they're raising the yeah, bar, essentially. They are. And ever since the uh, CFPB came out, um, you know, it's been more and more difficult to get credit. And they're really putting the screws on the lenders, too. So the lenders, are, while there are programs out there for people who have 590, no lenders will touch them because if they don't pay the loan back, then they come after the lender now hard. 
Whereas before, they'd say, okay, well, it's been two years, they lost their job, you know, you don't have to buy the loan back. Now, they're coming back on them and making them buy the loan back. That's interesting that I disagree with this completely. Maybe maybe you'll correct me. Maybe I'm just not understanding it. How could it possibly be the lender's fault that you didn't pay them back? I They didn't properly qualify. I mean, and Alan will... Talk about this all day. I know what the rules are. Yeah. I'm talking about real life. Hashtag real life. Right. Like, so, uh, let's say you made the best loan you could, Dave. Yeah. Seven sixty credit score, mm-hmm. all that, and they stopped paying. Mm-hmm. I. Yeah, there were people who did that just for strategic reasons too. Uh, during the crash, they just stopped paying on their mortgage because they wanted a short sale, even though they could afford to pay. Um, I don't know. I mean, you're required to make sure that they qualify for the mortgage. From an income perspective, mm-hmm. now if the income says that um, if the income says that they're fine and then they lose their job, right now they're still responsible for that. Yeah, well, I it's see. not right. You're dancing around. Okay, good. It's not yeah, right. It's not Thank right. You. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I get what they're trying to do because there certainly was, and there probably still are to much smaller degree, like we were talking about before, jackals. And all trades, and certainly the mortgage industry was one of them. Oh, for sure, yeah. But it, to me, I just it gets mad. It's like when I go to Sam's Club or Best Buy, and they treat everybody like a criminal on the way out, looking through my cart and checking my receipt. I hate that crap. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hate being treated like a criminal, criminal and yeah. or a child. Yeah. And I feel like the lenders getting in trouble. It's like my parents getting call me. You know. Get in the principal's office, and they call your parent, and you know what your kid did? Like, well, no, what? What is that? You know. Yeah. At some point, we're just not children anymore. Yeah, I don't like America. it either, but I still go to Costco. So. Well, yeah, I still go to Sam's Club, too. I just give yeah. them a hard time on the way out. Yeah, I think I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Well, I used to be really obnoxious, <laughs> and now I just I stop doing that, and I tell them they can do better. Yeah. So I look, and they're wearing a name tag, and I go, Frank, I think you do a lot better than this. Instead of treating <laughs> people like criminals on the way out the door, you're yeah. better than this. I like that. Yeah, and I get very mixed reactions. My wife hates it. Yeah. But I used to just annoy them, and I don't think that's the right policy. I was young and dumb, and now I try and encourage them to do things besides treat people like criminals, you know? Yeah. So I know this is going to come up. We're going to get a million questions about this. I'm going to ignore most of them. But let's say you have bad credit now. Okay. And there's no way we can go through it all. And if you want to know it all, I'm not just plugging them. I'm telling you it's good stuff. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash the credit guy tv he has over 212 videos right well actually how to do this yeah let me just tell you that if you go to get loan there we go get loan yeah i redirect them to six steps to improve their credit score right and they don't have to pay for them they're free there's worksheets there everything that you need to, to know to go really in six months you can go from zero to decent credit uh, if you follow the six steps. So what are the six steps? First is to get a copy of your credit report, and then you look through it, and you look for actual errors. And I'm not talking about disputing everything negative. If there's an actual error on there, then you can file a dispute with a repository. Um, step, a real error. A real error, not right, not just uh, you know. <laughs> Not imaginary error. Well, and that's what the credit repair people do, is they just dispute everything negative on the credit report and say, hey, look, what a great job I did, right? So um, I don't think so, yeah. No. And when, when things are disputed, you have to remember that uh, it's taken out of the FICO scoring model. So you have to resolve the disputes prior to going to a mortgage lender. 
Because oh, wow. Okay, so they won't touch it if it's being disputed. No, because it takes it out of the scoring model. The score is different. So mm-hmm. make sure that you resolve all of your open active disputes before you go to a lender, uh, is my advice. So number two is um, look through the report and look for uh, accounts that maybe are in good standing but had one 30-day late. So even if you have a, an account that's in good standing, that's been very long, open for a long time, if it's got a current was 30 as an identifier, you're never going to get the same number of points that you would get if it was clean the whole time. So if you had 130 or 160 day late, call them up and ask for a goodwill removal of that 30 day late. Goodwill removal. Yeah. Will they do that a lot of times? Or? Well, I mean, you're not going to call them up and say, I need a goodwill removal. You're no. <laughs> follow the instructions. You don't need anything, son. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what you say is, they look, you know, I believe that I've made all my payments on time. You've got this uh, thing on my on my record from three years ago. Um, you know, I think that I've made that payment on time. Would you consider removing that? Because if you won't, you know, I might consider uh, closing my account and taking my business elsewhere. Uh, sometimes they will do it, sometimes they won't do it, but it doesn't hurt to ask. It doesn't cost you anything to ask. If they remove it, and I've heard you know, stories where they'll remove it. I've heard when they won't, about 50-50. Uh, don't give up after the first one tells you no either. No. Go to everybody. Uh, and call more than once. Uh, it doesn't hurt either. The next thing is to um, really handle collections. So any collections that are six months or less uh, that are open and active. So if you had an open active collection that has a reporting date of less than six months from now, then you pay that off. Just pay it off. Ask for, well, first you ask from them if they'll do a uh, pay for delete. You say, look, I'll give you the money for this if you remove it from my credit report permanently. And then uh, much like the advice earlier about the contractor, you don't give them the money until you get a letter from them. Okay. That's great advice right there. Yeah. You don't want to switch a ruse. Right. So go to the col- uh, collection company and you ask for a pay for delete. And if they're not willing to do it, then say, look, then I'm not really interested in paying this off. So play hardball with them for a month or two and then go back to them. If they still say no, say, okay, look, I'll pay it, but, I wanna, but I'll give you 10% of the full amount. So you're not going to pay full unless they'll remove it. If, if they will um, negotiate and they won't remove it, then you start at 10% and work your way up. Because they bought it for 10 pennies on the dollar anyway, the collection company. And where were you 10 years <clears throat> ago, Dave? Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Yeah. Um, it's your fault. My, my, I, I didn't know what I was doing 10 years ago. Yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> well, I wasn't doing any videos, but five years ago I was. Yeah, yeah. that was my excuse since then. So, yeah, so you start at 10% and work your way up. Yeah. And then go for the pay for delete first. Um, other things that people miss a lot of times is they'll have an account, like let's say from uh, Best Buy, that they haven't used in a long time. If it's still active, if you reactivate it, charge something small on it, uh, you can get a huge boost because then you open up all that history of good good payment, even though you didn't oh, have a payment. That's right. So you instantly reactivate all that, and then you're much better off. Uh, you get the benefit of that long credit history. So you reactivate the inactive accounts if you can without letting them pull your uh, credit report again because you don't want an inquiry. Uh, One of the last things I tell people to do is look at your, if your utilities are being reported on your uh, credit report, you need to make sure that when they report, the balance is low. So if you're in the middle of the summer um, and you have a high electric bill, 
and they report it near the high level, then that will cost you points because it's reporting at the high level of the, of the balance. If you can pay that down prior to them reporting, then you get the benefit from that. Okay. Wow, that's really detailed. Yeah. So, I know, it drills down, but go to GetLoanReady.com. GetLoanReady.com, people. And, uh, and you can follow the worksheets and everything. So And he has 212 different videos at yeah. YouTube, the Credit Guy TV, where he does literally just tell you how to do all this stuff. He's not going to do it for you folks. You can go pay right. somebody else to do that. Right. He highly recommends you clean up your own mess and the way you pitched it. I kind of agree with him now. I've never yeah. heard it pitched like that. Uh, you sold me, sir. All right, good. You sold me. I'm good. buying. Whatever it is you're selling, I'm buying. What frustrates you most about your business in the credit industry? I, I'm sure there's lots, so maybe maybe top two or three, but what, what do you think is the most frustrating thing? Well, you know what? Um, <clears throat> a lot of my clients are loan officers, and uh, they they don't know what the rules are, you know, for verifications. I mean, we have to verify everything now. I mean, if we're going to update a credit report, we've got to call and sometimes have the borrower on the phone to verify that information. We can't accept written documentation at all, really, anymore. Wow. So everything that needs to be updated has to be done over the phone. Okay. So uh, many, That's real, real time. They, yeah. just, they want to know right now. And many times we're trying to verify landlords' payment history. So when we get a landlord and we have to try and call... That's got to be tough. A lot of times they won't pick up the phone. No. So now the loan officers are mad at us. They think we're not calling them. I've got this one client in Wisconsin, Cheesehead. Who um, <laughs> who has all these rental verifications and they're all, and they and they call the landlord the landlord picks up when we call the landlord he doesn't pick up so he they think that we're not calling you're calling from a different state different right. number eight hundred number it says credit you know whatever around yeah. there so that's a big frustration the other thing is the credit repair industry yeah I mean they've been dogging me for I knew a long that was time. Coming. They've been dogging me for a long time, and they're always, you know, down arrowing my videos and everything. But, um, you know, I'm, I, you know, in a way, I'm taking their business out. Heck yeah, haters gonna hate. Well, right, and I want, um, and I do want to kill. I want to end that industry. It's one of my goals. I want to change the credit industry, and one of the things I want to change. Now, a lawyer, when you get to the point where you're being abused by somebody by a credit. Uh, by a creditor. So let's say the creditor's putting things on there that aren't accurate, and you've worked to try and get them off, and they keep putting them on there. At that point, you need a lawyer. I'm not, lawyers are not credit repair people normally. Some, some of them are. But credit repair lawyers are people who handle your situation from a legal perspective, I think, are still worthwhile. But it's these people in between, right? Yeah, they just dispute everything, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and Unethical there's some, behavior. Right. And there's some, you know, nonprofits out there that are doing a good job with edu- education. But uh, my goal and the people that annoy me are really the credit repair people who are abusing the system in many ways. I like that you you have a plan to destroy them. Yeah. With free YouTube <laughs> videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're not putting up free videos, are they? No. No. No jabs, yeah. small hook. There was one uh, one thing came up right when I started, too. The IRS has a plan called the Fresh Start Program, where if you have an IRS tax lien, you can have that removed from your credit report like it was never there. There's one form you fill out, and you mail it in to the IRS, and I've had people on the show who've done it in 30 days. So they had an IRS tax lien. They had it removed in 30 days at the repository level on their own for free. 
there's an interview on the website with Michael, who did this, and um, you know the the credit repair people are saying, yeah, call me up, I can get it done for you, right? Or they can just fill out one form and do it on their own. So um, that's my plan is to my evil plan is to end the industry. I like your evil plan. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of maybe not so evil. You might want to work on the evil yeah. part. Hmm. Your evil plan sounds more like a good plan. Yeah. A so good credit plan. I know you're still doing all the credit stuff, and that's a big part of your business. But uh, I don't know if you're ready to talk about this or not. But I saw on the Facebooks recently. You're now officially a realtor. I am a realtor, and uh, you got some plans. You got some directions. You know, uh, what does that look like, Dave? Well, I primarily uh, got that because of the homes that we've been buying and selling. So I'd like to be the realtor on that. Um, we plan on uh, downsizing from the house that we built and maybe building another house. So I'd like to be the realtor on that. And um, you know, if somebody wanted to work with me, I'd be happy to work with them. I do bring it kind of a unique perspective. Uh, I'm, you know. Only really good from West Bloomfield, probably over to Milford, and then from West Bloomfield down to Garden City. So those are kind of the two areas, and I don't really, I wouldn't work with anybody outside those areas because I don't know it well enough. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're in that area and you'd like to work with me, I'd be happy to work with you. You can give me a call at uh, 248-891-2205. You're looking for homeowners, investors, kind of everything? or what Well... Yeah, I mean, from an investor's perspective, I'm not going to let them buy something that I would buy myself. Yeah. So, but investors are are you know a crazy bunch, as you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if we're not any better than the credit repair industry yeah. or the the company we keep. Uh, but first time home buyers, I'd love to work with them. Those people are always fun, or uh, you know, people who are looking to move up. Buyers, dude, how great would it be if? Some of the people who went to your YouTube videos and cleaned up their credit then found out that you're a realtor and contacted you and you sold them their first house. That would be pretty, that'd be a good story. If you're listening and that happens, you have to contact Dave and let him get some video on that. Yeah, we're going to have a whole show based on that. Okay, good. I was going to say that would be some of the best video and audio ever. Yeah. What's better than evidence? What's better than the proof, man? Nothing. Nothing. I did write a, 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 a pilot for a TV show. That I haven't really, really? talked about. Yeah. It's called Credit Flippers. Dude, and, I love it already. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a reality-based TV show. We'll see where it goes. But I do have a copyright and the and the uh, URL. So I'm I'm ready to go. I'm glad I got You heard it here first, first yeah. folks. This is the first time? Yeah. This is it Credit Flippers? Credit Flippers. All right. Well, you, I mean, how do you even pitch something like that? I mean, it's... Uh, well, I, I've got it written out. Um you know, it's a reality-based TV show, much like House Flippers or something like that. All right, so if, so with if a little some... bit of a Survivor mixed in there. All right, with, you know, with the uh, the uh, tasks or the challenges. Man, so you're trying to get? Are you pitching it to anybody yet? Are you trying to well, get in front of somebody? Or? I've got it. Uh, it's registered. Let's put it out to the universe. Yeah, man. maybe so, they'll listen to this. Yeah, if you're interested in uh, producing the show, let me know. Yeah, how they contact you? Give me a you. call. Yeah, two four eight eight nine one twenty two zero five. There we go. That's cool. Can I come take a picture on the set or something if you end up doing that? You can like be that? in the crowd, definitely. I could be, yeah, I could yeah. be. <laughs> I'll be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> How cool would that be? Yeah. Well, was there anything? Um, I wanted to move on. We're, what we're at? We're already at like an hour and a half. So I wanted to move on to some success questions and success habits, but I want to make sure 
I think I asked all the questions, but you put out. I know you're on Periscope right now. Yep, on Periscope right now, and you can follow um, Mr. Dave Sullivan at the Credit Guy TV on Twitter, and mm-hmm. I will also send you to his Periscope. Yep, as well. Um, were there any other questions? Anybody post anything or? Well, what I'd like to say is, it, it, whatever industry you're in, nowadays you're going to have to do video. I mean, I think video is a real key. I think you need to do as much as you can to provide value to people, but you have to do it on a regular basis. So if you're selling cars, you should have a weekly car video and do it every week. That's the big reason for my success is because I did it every week, and you just you don't give up. People expect it. They look for it. If it's not there, they miss it. That's when you know you're onto something. That's yeah, I've, I've over four hundred thousand views yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, and I would encourage people to do that too. Start a podcast. Start a YouTube video. Start the barriers to entry are very low. Yeah, you can just do it on your cell phone or your iPad and mm-hmm. move up from there. Um, we kind of got some equipment and all that. So I think Steve was just disgusted with the sound quality and adopted me, but. Um, do something about that, yeah. and th- th- how, what would you say starting that YouTube channel and the podcast has done for your business? Well, you know, a lot of ways it saved my career. After working somewhere for ten years, you know, and you get let go, you don't know if you can do it again. Basically, you know, I was a sales rep at first, and um, you know, I didn't know if I could bring in the clients again. And when I started to do these videos, the people who knew me started to watch them. Well, fortunately, those people, much like the people who you know. Well, supply the room they know me and they started to watch them and they had value and they and they watched them every week so um you know i think in a lot of ways it saved my career because without without my videos i might not have gotten the clients that i got wow bold statement video saved his career (laughs) moving on to our success questions i can't think of a better segue than that because I know where you got some of these ideas, and it's some of the same places I got these ideas. Mr. Right. Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, and what you're talking about right now is Jab, 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 Hook. Right. That's also the title of Mr. Gary Vaynerchuk's book. The latest book. The latest book. There'll be a new book. There is one. What yeah. was that one? Ask, Gar- Ask Gary V. Yeah. Ask from Gary the v. Ask Gary V. Show. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of his. <clears throat> Bought all the books, and... Um, and can't say enough about him. I mean, he's just a, a great uh, force of nature in, in a lot of ways, and uh, I, I would encourage everyone to follow him. Yeah, you really adopted his um, jab, 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 jab hook. Yeah. But let's let's talk about it. So obviously the book we're talking about is Jab, 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 and we'll put this in the show notes, folks, um, hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, he says it like that. Yes. <laughs> That's why I was doing it like that. Yeah. If he ever listens to this, and he wants, you know, just right. in case, I want to make sure he knows I was paying attention. Right. You really read that thing, and as far as I can tell, it looks like you put almost all of it. You yeah. No holds barred, man. It's kind of like you just said, you know, this is it. This is what yeah. I'm doing. Right. I'm I mean, in. Right. From that meeting that we had on, I was just like, I'm going to do it. And what ha- what else happened very early is there's a guy by the name of Frank Gray and Brian Stevens who are in the mortgage space, and they do a video every day about different things that go on in the mortgage. What is it? Where can they find this video? Where can we find uh, it? The nationalrealestatepost.com. Nationalrealestatepost.com. Yeah. And they have a lot of comedy in their in their uh, videos, so it's all about the, the jokes for them. But it's still good information that they provide. And the MMLA had them come in and speak 
uh, at one of our conventions. So I got the opportunity to interview them. And I learned a lot from them because what they said was, is look, we don't feel like doing the video every day, but they do it anyway. Oh, yeah. They do it over and over and every day. And that's how you build up the momentum. The podcast, my podcast has been doing very well. And the reason that is is because I set up the podcast to come out every day for six months because wow. I just started it. So every day they come out and people start to watch them every day. Now, I'm going to run out of content here in about another month. So Better get busy. It's going to go, well, we're going to go to once a week. Um, and I think once a week is the minimum. Twice a week is probably better, but every weekday is probably where you need to be if you want to grow your audience. They've got over a million people watching their videos every day. Holy shit. They've been on CNBC. I mean... That's huge. Joe Rogan has a million people. That That's a huge, huge man. In, in the mortgage industry, too. Mortgage specific. And they've got advertisers now. Um, you know, they've built up. They've changed many times over. And, you know... And that's nationalrealestatepost.com. Post. I gotta yeah. go check this out. That's amazing. And Frank Array, and, and which... It, and Frank Ray just did another interview with me. I'm writing for the National Mortgage Press now as well. Oh, I'm you are? A special correspondent for them. But um, I just did an, another follow-up kind of interview with Frank, and Frank told me that you know, they pretty much failed fl- and fell flat on their face about four years ago. Uh, they had partners. They split up. They got nothing, basically, from the split up. Oh. All they got was the show. And, ah, that's yeah. an error. I hope that whoever did yeah. that to them... Is, yeah. You can't sleep at night thinking so, they left them with the show. Right. They got the show. And everything else, I mean, there was a lot of money available uh, from what they were doing prior to. But they got the show. And they've, you know, doubled down and they and they worked their asses off and they built the, the subscription back up. And, um, you know, it's just, it's not a glamorous story, Jeremy. No, it never just is. Lots grit. of hard work, right? Yeah, it's the grit I like grit what you say, it. grit. Yeah, it's just grit. Grit. Even the way you say grit sounds gritty. Well, I, <laughs> I saw on... Po- on the Facebooks, the Book of Faces, um, you have, let me see, we get got several podcasts you really like. Um, I love the Tim Ferriss show. Yeah, he's I, awesome. Man, He can, I think he kind of sucks as an interviewer, but he gets amazing people. Oh, yeah. And I think some of the questions he asks are some of the best questions ever asked on, I don't know, I say top ten podcasts of all time. Well, he's fact, shot right up to the top. I mean, oh. he's uh, he's awesome. And, um, you know, I just like his perspective on things. Um, the Startup Podcast, that was a good one. Did you ever? No, no. What is that? So, basically, this guy was in uh, public radio, and he decided he was going to create a business. And he was going to create it from scratch, and it was going to be all podcasts. And the first season is him trying to build this business, and it's stole and it's told in a way that's very NPR-like, and it's really well done. And I would suggest uh, checking that out. The startup okay, and that, podcast. The startup podcast. Yeah. What else? What What else do you? I mean, I don't think success is an accident. It's a series of habits, but it's also an education. Sure. Real life, but if possible, other people's lives. It's cheaper to buy a book or donate to a podcast or something that is to go out and make the mistake yourself. What, what are some of the podcasts, books, blogs you think you've had the most impact and you just enjoy that really help? Yeah, I mean, I love the Bo book, the, the most recent Bo book about uh, Bo, and he talks about, and he relates it to how it fa- affects business. 
So the Bo Schembechler book was a big one for me. I read it three times in a row. Oh, what book is that, Bo? I don't remember the name of it. Bo's Lasting Lessons. Bo's Lasting Lessons. Bo's Lasting Lessons. Yeah. And uh, it was written just, to, it came out just after he passed away. And uh, it was a really good, well-written book. And But you've got to be a bit of a Michigan fan to truly love it. So <laughs> if you're a state guy, you might want to not read that one. Yeah, this is a worldwide podcast. Yeah. But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, with Michigan. What else? Um, you know, I'm reading a book right now, um, Tony Robbins' book about money. I'm trying to get through that. It's pretty pretty thick but i'm working like over 800 pages yeah it's very thick small type so i'm really struggling to get through it but that man uh, can write yeah and write write and write well again i mean he gets the creme of the creme people to interview he does right how does he get those people i don't don't know he's amazing that's why he is pretty incredible yeah you know one of the things that i learned from him was and i just saw him out in vegas uh, a year and a half ago was massive action you got to take massive massive action uh, you know, you can't watch TV at night and, you know, you can't do all those things. You've got to take massive action. And if you do it just for a little while, uh, the momentum starts, you know. So when I started with the podcast or with the YouTube channel, I didn't know what I was doing. I just started with an iPod, I- iPad and that was it. So um, take the action. Don't think you have to get everything perfect to start. Just no. take the action. Yeah, when I started mine, I just turned the video camera around, yeah. hit start. It was worst production. I don't know about worse. It was terrible production quality. Right, but that's how you start. Yeah, you start by starting, and then you take massive action. Who said that? You start by starting. That's I don't that know. sounds very familiar. Yeah, that's great though. You start by starting. Yeah. What I think else? I just made that up. Yeah, you just made that you up. Look out at Davis. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. start by starting. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Deep thoughts. Yeah. Well, that's how I did this podcast. I talked about it for a year, and then I got one day I got fucking disgusted with myself. I hadn't done it, and I literally just picked a date ten days later. And that's when you started. And the day before, I went and bought the shit I thought I needed. Okay. And then I started the next day. Awesome. I can't say that was the best. Massive action, right? Yeah. I got tired. I got tired of looking at myself in the mirror, and I was having a hard time figuring the stuff out. And I just made the decision that the only way I was going to figure it out was by doing it. And it was rough, and it's still rough. We're still having problems and mm-hmm. all that stuff. But I, well, I don't know. I can't read a book about this kind of stuff. I just have to go out and yes. do it. Yeah, I learned the same way. Learn by doing. I recommend that. So other books that I'm reading. I'm reading a really good book right now about management and about how... Um, Oh, here's a good one. The No Asshole Rule. <laughs> That's a good book. I might fail this one. The No, yeah, the asshole, no asshole Rule. That's a good book because it talks about assholes and, and how they hire other assholes. And before you know it, you got a whole company full of assholes. And, uh, are they hiring? <laughs> I need a job. I need, yeah. 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 How much are they paying? Because I could do that part real well. Yeah. So it, it just was, it was a very, uh, it really brought to the service for me how to handle assholes in the workplace. So there is a, if you go to my website, there's a book area uh, where I put what I'm reading now. And I the credit guy that TV. Dot TV. Yeah, and then there's what I, what am I reading now? Yeah. Yeah, so I put them all on there. But uh, And you're on the Twitters too, at the credit guy TV. Right. It's on the Twitters for the young kids. But I like to, you know, I like to read at least one book uh, ongoing. And um, the new ocean, stra- or the blue ocean strategy is a very good book. Hmm. The blue ocean strategy is about. 
And I, what's funny about the Blue Ocean strategy is I kind of live this, okay? When I sold my company to Kroll, they said there was something called an RMCR, which is what we always provided, a residential mortgage credit report. It was $50, and it printed on an old printer inside people's office. and went, ee, 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 oh, like wow. that. So that was $50. That's, everybody did those. When I got to Kroll, they said, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to do an in-file, and then if you need an update on a specific item, we'll do that. So that was a blue ocean strategy, and that really carried Kroll for a long time. I mean, they were way out in front, and um, it really it changed the business for them. So another example of that is a friend of mine uh, that we went on Boy Scout outings all the time with bought a new sleeping bag, but the sleeping bag didn't have a zipper, okay? Oops. It's not an accident. Not an That's accident? how they designed it. Wow. So okay. there's a, you get in it, and then there are these folds and flaps and things, and you know they did away with a zipper. So when you look what at a great a, idea, I hate zippers. Yeah. So when you think about a market or a blue ocean strategy, a blue ocean is an area where no one has fished before, as opposed to the bloody red waters where the sharks and everybody are uh. are at normally. So that's the analogy they were pulling out. But when you take an industry and you take away the most common thing about that industry and you provide something else that's the blue ocean opportunity they got me interested about the sleeping bag how do you have a sleeping bag without a zipper it's really cool it is it's really cool i don't want to get too distracted about that but i, I was a boy scout eagle scout all awesome that. I, I can't even tell you how many times you zipper get it's ridiculous at how big of a problem that could yeah. be and it gets jammed and, and there are flaps at the bottom and my son's an eagle <coughs> scout too yeah, somebody yeah. was thinking about this. Go, you know what? This zipper, this zipper stuff is crap. I'm gonna yeah. do something different. That's the blue ocean strategy. Blue ocean strategy. So yeah. maybe there's something in an industry you're already working in, right? Where you can just go out and do something completely different and make your own market, kind of like the iPhone too, right? Well, no yeah, market right. for a touchscreen phone, and they just went out and fucking made one. Yeah, literally from nothing. That's right. So they did away with the buttons on a phone. Right? So it's the blue ocean. Who, who would do that? Yeah. You, i got to have my buttons. You don't need a single button, do you? Yeah. Hardly? Well, you need one button. Yeah, turn the damn thing and off. And then maybe one for the volume, but that's it. No other buttons. <laughs> that's amazing. So I, I think about that all the time, you know, whatever industry that I, or whatever I'm trying to do is, how can you do away with the industry standard and then focus on something completely different? That's a great way to comment. How you're going to get me thinking. Let's, let's say that again. How can you move do, away from the industry industry standard and do something completely different but still serve that industry hmm. in a better way? That's a great That's a great question. I'm going to have to go read this book. It's a good one. Yeah. What do you do for, um, if at all, do you do anything for motivation, inspiration? Do you have a ritual for that? Anything like that? Success yeah. strategies? or Well. You're just like a shark. You wake up hungry every morning. No. <laughs> It was easier when I had to drive my son to school because then I'd just go to the gym after that. Mm. And uh, But now that he's at college, it's getting a little more difficult to get up there. But I like to exercise in the morning if I can. Yeah, I, I notice that, the, do it, especially first thing in the morning. Yeah, I try first to thing it. in the morning, before you eat, Yeah, if you can. Otherwise, I get too busy. And then, right. Then you move on, the phone yeah. starts ringing, you yeah. get texts. And you're not going to go at, you know after work? or No, tired. First thing in the morning, if I can. I notice the wife gets a little softer, too, as we get a little older, a little harder to get out of bed, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you have, um, 
Do you journal? Do you meditate? Anything like that? No? No. Okay. I, I'd like to, but I don't. You know, the, my hobby is the blog, okay? Yeah. So it's making those videos. It's my hobby that I do on the weekends or, or whatever when I'm not working on property. But the properties are kind of simmered down now. Uh, the kids are gone. So it's really, you know, the website and fixing up our house that we're in. So Yeah, that'll be exciting. Who do you... Um and this is, uh, I know it's a loaded question, so maybe it doesn't have to be the biggest or the most, but who, are there specific people in your life that had a lot of influence on you or sent you one direction versus the right. other, um, some of those pivotal moments? Um, who were those people and how did they influence and motivate you to do, you know, how you ended up here today? Right. Well, I mean... Obviously, it's my grandfather's that we, I told that story already, um, those, those two guys. And, you know, I w- wanted to take a year off of school after I graduated from high school because I hated school, and I always hated school. But they said, no, you should probably keep going. So I did. I went to community college and then went out to Western. Um, you know, my dad, obviously, um, he was a very successful salesperson, too, in the fire brick industry. Um, you know, he gave me a lot of great advice. So it's the family, mostly. Fire brick industry. Yeah. So when you see a large chimney, inside normally is lined with fire brick. Yeah. And his the company that he worked for at the time would reline those, would would lay that brick inside. He might have a hard time today. Not a lot of uh, chimneys. People, yeah, nobody burns yeah. wood anymore. I think I'm it. Well, right. I mean, but we're talking about for factories mostly. Oh, okay. That's what they did the work for. Oh, wow. So an Irish bricklayer. An Irish bricklayer. There's a few of those. <laughs> yeah. And obviously the, your your family. Do you have a um, continuing education plan? I know you're in a heavily regulated industry. Yeah. So a lot of that's mandatory. Right. Some of it. Um, but what know, about the voluntary stuff? I mean, what, what is what does it look like? How does Dave learn? What, what does that continual process look like? You know what is the podcast? A lot of it is I pick up from the podcast that I listen to. Um, you know, and when, when your hobby becomes blogging, or podcasting or whatever that is, you learn. You want to learn about that. So you learn that from other people podcasting. Um, you know, I've got my realtor's license. I'll probably want to do, uh, I'll probably want to learn more about that. I'll probably want to learn more about maybe I'll get my builder's license again. I mean, I don't know what direction I'll go in, but constantly learning by reading or listening to podcasts is how I've always done it. Yeah, do you even, uh, I find that, man, I, I don't hardly watch or do anything. Um, I try not to be quite so monochrome but i just so you listen to podcasts all the time yeah in no, the shower no tv driving yeah um you know if you need some background something at work you know i'll listen to them there yeah so not a lot of tv and movies going on in dave's life well, i mean i like to watch a movie every now and again but there's been nothing good out for a long time since the last noticed. avenger movie yeah, i do like those i haven't watched a movie in a theater since the second Hobbit, I think. It's, really, it's been a it's been a long spell. I can't do the the superhero crap. I just I don't no. know why. Yeah, it, I couldn't read the comics either. I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. The stories never end. <laughs> I, yeah, nobody I ever dies. Right. Yeah. You know, I wanted to see Batman die. That's what I wanted to see. I want to see Spider Man fall off a building, yeah. miss, yeah, and die. And it's the end or something like that. Right? Yeah. No, he always comes back. You know? What the hell, man? Yeah, there's no chance of him dying. No, there's no chance yeah. of Spider-Man dying. Or maybe his girl or something. I can't remember. 
or Mary Jane. Mary Jane. I was gonna say Lois, but I think that's that shows you how bad Superman. I am at this. That Superman. Yeah. He didn't die either. I couldn't handle that stuff. Well, I think unless there is anything else, I think um, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm feeling like we're heading towards the the end. Um, everybody listening, I want to thank Dave Dave Sullivan. Go to thecreditguy.tv or look them up on the Twitters at thecreditguy.tv. You can also send them an email at thecreditguy.tv at gmail.com. I really enjoyed this. Can I have you back? Absolutely, anytime. Man, this would be awesome. What if I pair you up with someone? Well, you know what? In the show notes, you should put that original video that we did in your house, if you don't mind. No, thank you. Let's put that in there because I think that was a good interview. And uh, hopefully it was a forefather to this whole podcast, I think. In a, in it was. A that was my first yeah. belated and then... So really, I'm your first repeat guest. You are. Yeah. Actually, I now like that, that I think about it. And also, don't forget, uh, Get Loan Ready. That's right. Thank get you. Loan get ready. Loan ready. In fact, it takes you to a specific page on my website where you can get the free six steps to a better credit score. You do have to opt in to get the worksheets, but... Uh, they're well worth it, and uh, you have to agree to the terms, and uh, no charge for that either. And you know, get loan ready, ready.com. I'm just writing this down, so I do not forget. I'm going to put it yeah. in the notes. So when I do it, I do not forget. Well, Jeremy, thanks for having me on. I do appreciate it. That's well, awesome. If you guys enjoyed this podcast and you find it helpful, it is a free podcast. Please do share it with your friends. Share it all over the internet. It really does help. And if you have constructive um, comments or criticism, Credit repair I would love to hear from if there's questions. I mean, what if there's a question I didn't ask Dave and you'd like to know? You can also just reach out and ask him, but also let me know because I'd like to incorporate it into the show. Go to renegadedetroit.com. Yes, I realize the website's not updated. It will be by the end of October. And if you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors. Or you can go to facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. For whatever reason, Facebook would not let me do Renegade Detroit Investors. Nobody else has it either. You can find me on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And uh, you can go to YouTube to youtube.com forward slash user slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast, I always like to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to take to become financially independent. I know it's tough. A lot of distractions, mistakes. Maybe you didn't have a good start in life. Maybe you're raised by jackals. Who knows? A lot of bad habits, poisonous people holding you back. Just start. Stick with it. Don't give it up. Do something every day that gets you closer to your goal, even if it's one step. And I just want to thank you um, for listening. I value your attention. And I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Until then, crush it. Thanks, Dave.